This program is brought to you by W. W. Norton and Company, publishers of Poetry Unbound by Patrick Otuma. Now in paperback and featuring immersive reflections on 50 powerful poems. Welcome to the guest editor Q&A hosted by the Academy of American Poets. My name is Mary Sutton and I'm senior content editor at the Academy. I'm here with January's guest editor for Poem A Day, Joseph O. Legaspi. Joseph is the author of the collections Threshold and Imago. Joseph, thank you for joining me for the Q&A. Oh, thank you for having me. Let's jump right in. How did you approach curating Poem A Day? As soon as I received the invitation from the Academy of American Poets, um, the Rolodex in my mind started spinning. Um, the first names I plucked out were of Asian American OGs, whom I was surprised to learn were not already featured in the Poem A Day series. Um, these poets who helped engender my love of the art form. Um, I then scoured the Academy website and ended up with a list of the missing uh, poets whose work in humanity cared for and admired. I'm proud to say that about 90% of the poets I solicited will be newly added into the um, ecosystem of poets.org. Um, for me, this is about like, inclusion and representation and diversity, uh, I cast a wide net, at least to the extent the month of January could reach. Um, there's always more work to be done, of course. Um, essentially, these poets and poems reflect the multitudinous, intersectional, intercultural, and uh, familial communities to which I belong as an Asian American immigrant, queer Gen X resident of Queens, New York. Wonderful. If you could direct readers to one poem in our collection at poets.org, what would it be and why? Ah, this is <laughs> tough because basically what's being asked is for me to select a single poem that would satisfy every feeling and impulse. Uh, quench all thirst, satiate hunger, cater to the momentous and the quotidian. And that's simply poetically impossible, I think. Um, I also don't like playing favorites. So, so I approached this by citing a few poems which I've used and taught in my classes during the tumultuous months. So letters beginning with two lines by Cheslo Milosh, by Matthew Olsman, uh, Blackberry Eating by Gawe Kinnell, on how to use this book by Sarah Gambito, Hummingbird, Abyssidarian by 
And how can black people write about flowers at a time like this by Hanif Abjurahib? Yeah, I wanted to ask you briefly about um, Sarah Gambito. Um, she was a co-founder of Kundimon with you, correct? Correct, yes. Yes. Um, and, and your mention or your selection uh, of on how to use this book is, is so interesting. It, incidentally, uh, tonight, um, Poets.org is hosting a program called Poetry and Appetite. Uh, and this poem deals uh, specifically with that. Uh, I, I think it's interesting because um, uh, Gambito includes a recipe for adobo chicken, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, and she's <laughs> made it for me. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Multiple times. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, it, you know, it, it's it, it's such a, it's such an interesting poem because um, it it doesn't you know formally uh, it digresses a bit and she includes includes that recipe in the poem. It kind of reminds me a bit um, of the Ulipo novelist Georges Perec and how he would uh, integrate. Uh, non-literary materials into into text. Um, I don't know if that's something that you do in your own work from time to time. I actually don't. And and you know, just a little bit more about about Sarah's work, specifically the last book where this uh, poem is included, uh, "Loves You." And um, you know, that book is basically a poetry collection in recipes or with recipes, right? And I think. Uh, what Sarah was trying to do with that book, along with the title, Loves You, is a re really a reflection of, of, of the nurturing uh, nature of, of Sarah Gambito. And, you know, I've been friends with her, you know, again, since 2000, 2001. Uh, we, uh, you know, created Kundimon together. Um, so Sarah is one of those people, and she's done this with her other two books as well, how she infuses, you know, certain things like non, quote unquote, non-poetical elements into her work. Uh, I remember one poem where she talks about, you know, a uh, Chinese food menu, right? So she does that a lot and I do not. <laughs> I figured, you know, Sarah and a lot of other poets, you know, do these certain elements. Um, what I can probably add to this conversation is that I have started writing more prose poetry, you know, prose poems. Uh, and I actually teach a prose poetry slash flash fiction class at Fordham. And um, for me, this is like the length where I would go to to be quote unquote experimental because I'm not an experimental writer at all. But what I love about prose poems is that it's, you know, the fusion uh, of, of uh, the characteristics and natures of, of both poetry and prose, right? So it's just a matter of like, how do you have these elements be symbiotic? You know, how do you implement these experiments, you know, these, the, the natures of these different genres to create something both poetic and prosy um, and, and in turn elevate you know, either genre. So that's what I love about, that's like, that's the closest thing, you know, that I can think of in terms of me being, you know, infusing, you know, other elements into my work. Sorry, that was lengthy. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Um, what are you reading right now in your limited free time? <laughs> ah, 
so um I'm sorry, I just lost my thread of thoughts. So I'm just gonna go ahead. Um, so I often juggle reading multiple books of different genres at a time. Um, so here I present to you my COVID-19 isolation and recovery reading list, uh, the titles that got me through my breakthrough um, COVID. I was actually sick back in early November. So I had ample time to, to, to just be in bed and read. Um, the Unseen, uh, which is a novel by Roy Jacobson, um, paperback lent to me by my good friend, the writer Idra Novi, uh, many months ago. But I didn't feel the inclination to read it then. Um, Idra must be prescient because the story of a family on an isolated island in Norway was an escapist wonder. I've also devoured Takira Madden's memoir, Long Live the Tribe of Fatherless Girls. Um, currently, I'm in the middle of Erica Slee's illuminating historical survey, The Making of Asian America, and as a companion piece, uh, After Parties, uh, a collection of superb, superb short stories uh, centering the lives of Cambodian American by the late Anthony Vyasna. So uh, as for poetry, I reread Tiana Nobile's Cleave, uh, it's just a complex and uh, affecting collection, which I'm teaching in my NYU class. Uh, Cindy Beach's Her Kind um, keeps me company as well with its uh, incantatory spells. Um, and finally, uh, my poet brother, uh, Patrick Crizal, sent me his new and selected The Last Thing, um, which has brought me back uh, fully uh, into health. Incidentally, um, Erica Lee's book is, is on my own <laughs> reading list. It's not something I have to get to. <laughs> oh my God, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm only two thirds of the way. So right. but it's very illuminating. Yeah. And uh, there's been so much discussion um, about Anthony Biasna, so um, and his tragic passing um, and After Parties, which is, is now this award-winning uh, collection that will probably be on future syllabi. Why, why did you choose that as, as, as a companion piece uh, for Lee's book? I chose it as a companion piece in terms of, you know, um, what the book, what Erica Lee's book actually focuses on is the, um, for lack of a better word, origin, right, of Asians in the United States. Um, so primarily, uh, the focus is on you know the, the first wave of immigration, correct? So the Chinese, the Japanese, and also the Filipinos. Surprisingly, not not a lot of people um, know this fact that Filipinos were here really early on, you know, as part of the the, the galleons, you know, uh, trading between Manila and Spain, uh, Manila and, and Acapulco, Mexico. Uh, because of the, the Spanish um, colonialization. Um, so Filipinos were here earlier on. After parties kind of lent itself as a companion piece, not only because it's, it's fiction, right? Uh, it's like another way to tell the story or stories of a people, um, but because it focuses on Cambodian Americans, which is one of the quote unquote, like newer um, immigrants, uh, Asian 
immigrants into the country. Um, so I think it's a good bookend, I think, having an origin story and where we are now. Um, and linguistically, of course, it's so young and it's so hip, uh, Vyasna's book. Um, so that in itself, you know, the, the text itself, you know, having like this academic historical heavy tome and this like breezy and yet affecting and funny and emotional stor short stories collection. Um, and also being from Southern California, you know, um, after parties also speaks to me in that way because that's the landscape that I grew up in. So what are you working on now in your writing, teaching, publishing life? Well, with the fall semester drawing to a close, I'm working on my spring semesters, prose poetry and flash fiction class at Fordham. Um, but of course, I'll take a breather a couple of weeks in between teaching gigs to tinker with my new manuscript and maybe write a new poem or two. Can you uh, share with us any uh, perspective selections from your, your syllabus? Oh, what do you mean? Oh, you mean the, uh, what's in the syllabus? Like what, what, what texts were? Yeah, yeah it, oh, okay. it, that's allowed. <laughs> 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 I, I don't know. That's allowed. <laughs> Well, it is. <laughs> I, I'm guilty because I'm recycling, okay? <laughs> and I'm not done with my solution, but definitely every, every time I teach a, a prose a poetry flash fiction class, I, I use uh, Charles Simic, uh, The World Doesn't End, uh, which is, I think, the seminal piece of, 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 of uh, prose poetry work. Um, I also use um, this anthology actually called Microfiction um, by, oh my God, I forgot his name. Um, I think the editor's uh, Jerome Stern, I believe is the name of the editor. But this book was published back in the 19, oh God, in the early 2000s, I believe. And um, so what actually have my students do during the flash fiction segment. So basically the, the difference, the main difference between, you know, uh, these definitions of flash fiction, you know, flash fiction, short shorts, microfiction, is basically just the length. So I actually start them writing a, a 500 word um, uh, flash fiction piece, and then a 250, uh, word piece and then a hundred word piece. Um, and so that's very interesting what they come up with. Uh, and also it's, it's a great exercise in like excising the fat, you know, uh, within a story. And also, you know, in terms of uh, images too, like being selective in terms of, of, of imagery. Um, because also the ultimate goal of, you know, Flash fiction is yes to tell a story, but you know not a a plot driven story, uh, but illuminating uh, a moment, um, you know, a, 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 a catharsis. And so that's what I love too in terms of 
of post poetry and flash fiction because that's one of their main similarities, you know, you know, capturing the minutia that opens up, you know, that is that is telling of a truth um, of human nature. Thank you so much, Joseph, for sharing your ideas and your time with us. Thank you very much, Mary. It's been such a such a pleasure. Poem a Day is the original daily poetry series featuring new work by today's poets. Produced by the Academy of American Poets, this free digital series is made possible by you, our readers and listeners. Learn more about Poem a Day, and if you can, please consider supporting this work by visiting poets.org give.